As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. This week's podcast is brought to you in part by Bill Taylor Enterprises. BTE is a manufacturing, design, and support company that specializes in high-performance automatic transmission assemblies and components for drag racing, off-road, marine, and street performance. With more than 50 years of experience in drag racing, BTE has been a trendsetter and innovator, placing themselves and their customers ahead of the pack. In addition, today's podcast is presented by the Great American Bracket Race and All-State Challenge. Galen and Britt are promoting the 10th annual Moser Great American Bracket Race and All-State Challenge this September. Stay tuned for more. And it's all that we know. It's the way you lie. Give all that we got. Ride at a time. Do whatever we got. Do we never know if it's a one Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. This week on What Everyone is Talking About. Big Jed, as per tradition... The last week of August always brings the Division Three Lucas Oil Series event at Beach Bend Raceway Park, Bowling Green, Kentucky, that precedes the big go, the U.S. Nationals. Yeah. And as per usual, Bowling Green was packed over the weekend. Huge car count in every category, well represented not only by Division Three but travelers from all over the country on their way to Indy. But the big story from Bowling Green, at least this year, did you see the top dragster qualifying? I did, Luke. Uh, obviously, I'm not one that keeps up with that a whole lot, but even my sample mind knows that this thing was wicked fast. I mean, unbelievable crowd of fast cars showing up trying to get in, and I say trying to get in because some really fast ones didn't. 
No doubt. This is Division Three top drag extra, folks. And to my knowledge, this is the quickest bump in NHRA history, specifically for divisional, I think for national too. If I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will correct me. 32 cars, NHRA top drag extra, quarter mile. The minimum dial or the, the minimum ET is six flat. You can't go faster than six flat. They throw out the run. The bump spot, 32 cars, six thirty four two. You dig a little bit deeper, it's even more impressive. Number 31, 634-2. Number 32, 634-2. Number 33, the did not qualify, 634-3. Also a 634-8 in there. In total, there was 37 entries, sub 640. They take 32 cars. What's most impressive about all that, Big Jed? There were 40 cars on the grounds. Yeah, uh, that was one thing that I was very impressed with. So, I mean, obviously, some of the not super fast cars or drivers knew that this field was stacked up pretty well. But when you look at a 639 being number 37 on the list, Luke, it is oh brutal. That's, that's uh, I mean, you got your, your last year's champion uh, run 637 at more or less his home track. And doesn't make it. Yeah, Lynn uh, Ellison, one of them on the outside looking in. And some fast, fast cars. I was actually talking with Joe Fisher from Racing RVs today, who was another one of the DNQs. And he talked about the problems that they had had, both his car and his son's car, with cars that are 620 capable, have been 620s before. Junior Houston, the number 40 qualifier, that car's been in the 16s. He says, honestly, if everybody gets down the track, the bump's even sillier. Like, it gets down close to 630 which is just ridiculous and you look here at the qualifying sheet not only are you going 634 to get in the show like the slowest qualifying mile per hour is toby baptiste at 204 the next slowest qualifier like 215 he had a 216 mile an hour run that didn't get in it's just incredible big jed they get after it yeah 3100 i'm sorry luke 3100 separates them top to bottom there's 32 spots so it's tighter than that than even the spots that are available which is uh, that's probably never happened ever so i mean it's very very impressive field it's incredible and you go through it it's mostly division three cars but there's some fast cars from across the country getting in there a couple from division well several division four cars phil dion made it to the semifinals all the way from division seven a couple of division two cars like going fast is not just a d3 thing but boy was it a bowling green thing yeah and so luke when you look at a field like this there's 40 cars on the ground so obviously there was more that could have attempted to qualify but you got 32 super fast hot rods so it still brings up the debate 32 or 48 i mean do you want just 32 BAs getting after it right here at super fast speeds or do you want to muddy that up and and put 48 cars in the field so it's still a debate what what's a BA <laughs> oh i get it i got it it's not a bad alabamian it's <laughs> <laughs> although there were a few of those that made the field yeah i was amazed at how much interest and pushback and debate we spurred when we talked about the 32 versus 48 car top drag extra field uh, back a month ago or so and i'll be completely honest jed like i don't have a dog in this fight i think i've run top drag extra twice in my life i love watching it and i guarantee if the bump's 630 with any degree of regularity i will probably never have a dog in that fight right that's a little little out of my league 
But with that said, I'm a fan of this, man. Like, if they said, Luke, you pick 32 cars, 48 cars, I'll go 32 all day long. Just because we're talking about this. We're leading the show with it. And everybody, particularly Saturday afternoon, like, my Twitter feed, my Facebook feed was full of, look at the top dragster bump at Bowling Green. We got in. We didn't get in. Whatever. Like, it was the topic of conversation. And that's good for our sport. Like, it draws attention to sportsman drag racing in general. And to be completely frank, like, it's just cool. And I like the idea of top dragster and top sportsman both being an elite category in the sportsman ranks like don't turn it into a bracket race is what i would argue qualifying for a race like this just qualifying is an accomplishment and and it's a huge accomplishment when you're talking about going 634-2 just to get in the show if you don't like that like go run super comp or go to a bracket race i don't think top director and top sportsman are that like if you keep it at a 32 car field it is an elite field you have to go fast to get in and that i while i realize that that doesn't appeal to everyone to me that's what those classes are all about and that's what will propel those classes into the future now with all of that said like if you're on the opposite side of that and you're lobbying for 48 i don't agree but you ain't wrong. Like, I get those arguments. We went over that when we discussed this in the, in the first place. Like, here's the argument for 48. Here's the argument for 32. I think they're both valid. If you're asking me, choose, I choose 32. But I'll go back to saying that the core issue here, like if, when you're talking about a national points chase, and this was the main point that I tried to get across a month ago, is whether it's a 32-car field, a 48-car field, a 64-car field, or it's just open with a minimum dial, like it just has to be constant throughout the seven divisions. You can't claim or you can't award a national champion within a class where the rules vary by the region. Like that just doesn't make any sense. And I realize how we got here because this is only what the – fourth season that we're going to crown a national champion and top dragster and top sportsman it was very much run by divisions to this point but we're here now and this is a national class it should abide by national rules if you ask me i say make it 32 across the board but whatever it is i do feel like there's a need for it to be constant from california to epping you know from from pomona to epping from california to new hampshire yeah, well said. And, and and as you mentioned, some of the the guys on the bottom of the list here were not at their best. And you know, when you think of a category like that, all that goes into getting a top dragster to the track to be competitive and go end to end, you should be at your best to to qualify for a, an elite field like that. So I agree with you. Maybe thirty two is the answer. And again, like you said, if you're if you want forty eight, you're not wrong, but definitely can see where the fields are more elite and exciting when they're 32 uh, case in point here so i guess that debate will continue to happen until nhra steps in and says this is how we're going to do it but yeah I I, i think back to watching like qualifying at norwalk back in the day when we were all running ihra and norwalk was an ihra event it was a 32 car field and it wasn't anything like today's standards obviously this is 20 years ago but i remember the bumps being in like the 670s which was stupid fast in 1998 and i just 
I would assume that this was the same way I wasn't at Bowling Green this weekend, but when they called Top Dragster qualifying at Norwalk, like it was must-see TV. Like you had to be in the stands. And I realized that technology has come a long way, and these guys have a lot better handle now on going 620s than anybody did then going 660s. But you had to watch that because it was like a guarantee at Norwalk that somebody would blow the hood scoop off. And somebody would try to blow over like every qualifying session because they're trying to do stuff they ain't never done before to try to go faster than they've ever been, like half the field. Yeah. And it's just cool to watch. And I just think like as a competitor, I think you would I would pull my hair out. But then you go talk to those guys and like, man, it was awesome. Did you get in? No, I shook, almost hit the wall. It was so cool. You know, <laughs> and that's just part of that's that's what you sign up for to run those classes, in my opinion. And there is a a segment, again, not a large segment, but there is a segment of the sports and drag racing community that is all about doing that and can afford to do that. So, uh, more power to him. He's on fire! It's time for who's hot in sportsman drag racing. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete top dragster or top sportsman power glide transmission, torque converter for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item. The folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTERacing.com. All right, joining us right now to talk about the BTE Who's Hot and other subjects is our main man at BTE in Memphis Performance, Chance Likens, joining us from very south end of Tennessee, north end of Mississippi, right on the line. And the last time we were struggling, you had to stand on the motorhome to get a signal, but we understand you're in the city and you got a great Mm -hmm. signal, Chance. Great to have you with us. Yes, sir. Ground level, maybe even sea level tonight. Man, what's going on, guys? Oh, shoot. We're about to talk about the BT Who's Hot. And um, but first, we want to talk about the great folks at BT and what you guys have going on. Chance, you, you're you uh, selling tons and tons of things there at BT. You guys have a lot of momentum right now, a lot of things happening, serving a lot of different industries. But, you know, you're also getting out to the races quite a bit with the racer support van and the V-Dub. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys got going on. Where are you going to be racing? All right, BT, the van will be. We're looking to go to Memphis. It's uh, the first weekend of uh, see, this is September. All right, there we go. We're going to uh, Memphis first weekend of September. We're looking to head out to Bristol. We're doing Bristol for sure now. That's that's one of the highlights of my year. I love Bristol. Uh, third weekend of September. Yeah. But the pinpoint something that we just picked up on this uh this past week in huntsville or each pet card you receive that bte van will be at you will also receive a card that says you will get 500 dollars off any transmission at the van while we're at that race so wow anybody going to memphis or bristol check it out you'll get the card you also receive you'll get that little card that says 500 bucks off a top sportsman or a top dragster transmission. Okay, so, so it needs that. to be top sportsman or top dragster. Yes, and You get $500 off. So you guys have no investment in the race. You're not getting money from the race, but just the fact that folks are at the same race as you guys are supporting, you want to offer them something to help them out when they need a transmission. Yeah, it's something we came up with not too long ago, and we just decided to jump on that little hot spot right there and uh, – See if we can help some racers out, save some money, and also get something sold at the racetrack. 
Yeah, no, and just as a as a BT rep and distributor, I will tell you that if you are entertaining a transmission of some sort for your high, you know, fairly quick bracket car, like that top dragster, top sportsman transmission is the best value. It's the best of everything. It's if you're thinking, well, I'm going to put it in an aftermarket case anyway. That's the way to go. It, it is the you get everything in one. What is it? Chance of 180 straight cut, the aftermarket case, the high dollar pump, the good valve body, everything all in one. So that's what most racers would lean to anyway or most of my customers do and then as you mentioned if you're coming to a race that chances at not only do you and you need a transmission not only do you save the shipping then you get five hundred dollars off extra depending on where you live in the world like that's a six hundred dollar savings so take advantage of that yeah and more than likely i'm gonna be under the car helping you put it in (laughs) (laughs) even better yeah yeah i've done that a few times Huge savings, great parts, great service, and you get it right now as well, right there at the track. So that's really cool. And Chance, I hear you say you're trying to make it to the Great American Bracket Race and All-State Challenge in Memphis. You're not sure if the schedule is going to let you do that, but you're definitely trying, and you will be at the Fall Fling in Bristol. So any customers that are looking to be at those events, and, and most of you should because they're awesome events, you need to make sure you look Chance up and let him help you out, not only with transmissions. The van stock very well, in the Chance? Yeah, MSD, Moroso, Quick Fuel, all the good parts that we uh, stock in the warehouse. We'll also have, I mean, the, the most things that, the most common things to go wrong with your race car that we're going to try and stock in brake pads, everything. Strange, Mosier, little stuff like that. We're going to try and uh, accommodate that at each racetrack we go to awesome that's one of the things that i hopefully we let people know as well as we can but you guys don't just do transmissions and converters the, the best ones on the world you you have tons of other things you can offer somebody so they need to look you up chance how can they make sure they get in touch with you just in case they want to make sure that part's on the truck when you come to the race well there's plenty of ways i've got social media facebook instagram but Give me a call at the office at uh, 662-851-3213 or look me up on Facebook. is an easier way to do it also. But, you know, give me about two days before, day before I leave the racetrack and we'll get that thing out there, whatever you need. Cool. All right, Chance, this is the BTE Who's Hot segment. As we did a month ago, we will let you do the honor. Drum roll, please. This week's BTE Who's Hot. All right. BTU Who's Hot is Aaron Kennard. All right. This week, the top prize goes to Mr. Kennard. Uh, We've talked about him quite a bit over the course of really all season. He's had a banner year. He was a semifinalist in the Spring Fling Million. He's had a great year, particularly in 990 in the NHRA ranks, is battling for the Supergas World Championship. As most of you know, Division 7 spent last week at the double divisional at Rocky Mountain Raceway, Salt Lake City, Utah, or near Salt Lake City, Utah. Aaron in Super Gas advanced to the semifinal in the first race of the weekend, quarterfinal on the second race of the weekend, which was enough to vault him into the national points lead. But that's not why he's this week's BTE performance who's hot. He also notched a Super Comp victory in the finale 
uh, the second of two division races at Rocky Mountain Raceway, and that Super Comp win was his second in as many weeks. You may remember that it was a week ago Aaron got the win in Super Comp at the Seattle points meet. So as we said a week ago, if he could trade those two Wallies in for one Super Gas, I think he would take it at this point because that's the class that he's more involved in the national points chase. But nonetheless, an incredible, what, eight days, nine days of racing for Aaron Kennard. Yeah, super hot performance there from Aaron Luke. And, you know, to add just a little bit of special feel to that, you know, he's closing out Rocky Mountain Raceway's uh, drag racing schedule for what looks like his, for the for life. And, you know, it gets that last super comp win there. So that was really cool to, to add to all the other good feeling. But uh, you talked about the semi at the Spring Fling Million and then how well he's performed on the NHRA side in a couple of different categories. So Aaron, uh, super hot right now, just very deserving of this week's BT, who's hot, but um, really just a hot season in general. So uh, look forward to seeing how it plays out for him. Yeah, no doubt. If I can get a little bit into the weeds here as this Supergas title shakes out, Kennard goes into the lead with 570 points. Uh, I think it puts him three-plus rounds in the lead at this time. He has just two races remaining to earn points, one national, one divisional, and I would assume that we're going to have to wait until late October to see the results of that. I would imagine that his last two events will come at Vegas back-to-back uh, divisional, or I'm sorry, national first in late October, divisional, I believe, the first weekend in November. If it's going to happen for Aaron Kennard and Supergas this year, it's probably going to have to happen at the national event. On the national side, he's going to be improving a first-round loss versus, I believe he's improving a fourth-round loss at the divisional event. So much more room to make up some ground on the national side. And keep in mind, that's two months away. A lot can happen between now and then. Odds are, let me say this, I would be surprised if Aaron came into that national event at Vegas as the points leader. Again, leading right now, but 570. In a year that it doesn't look like there's going to be a huge final score, I would still be surprised if 570 led it in late October. I think somebody somewhere, I don't know who, don't know how, I think somebody will surpass that, which will put the pressure on Aaron, certainly coming into Las Vegas. So I'd be surprised if he came in the lead, but I'd be shocked if he didn't come into Vegas with a chance. I mean, you just look, I always talk ceiling when we talk about your national points chase with just two races remaining. If Aaron was to win them both, he has a 688 point ceiling looking at Supergas, Nobody's going over 688. Like he is almost assured himself of coming to Vegas with a chance to win the championship, which is awesome. It is a great position to be in. Having been there, it is a pressure-packed position to be in. We've talked about that before in the podcast as well. When you get to Vegas, that's the last. You've got the Vegas National, the Vegas Points Meet, and Pomona. It's the last three races of the year anywhere in the country. Everybody knows where you stand. Everybody knows what you have to do. If you try to forget, Reinhardt's going to be on the mic telling everybody what you have to do every single round. It is an exhilarating position to be in. It's also a difficult position to be in, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Just as a reference, like we say, Kennard right now, leader in the clubhouse, 570 points. The lowest score to win a Supergas championship in recent memory, Jacob Elrod with 621 in 2015. 
it's normally taken much more than that. This year, I don't, unless somebody gets crazy hot, I don't think it's going to. I, I would almost say that this year's champion has a very good chance of having the lowest score that we've seen in a long time. I don't think 570 will do it, but Canard's not far away. I think you crest 600 this year, I like your chances. So we will see what's to come in October and November, but Aaron Canard definitely put himself in position to uh, make a speech on Monday after the World Finals with that performance this weekend. Yeah, Luke, as well as you know how all this works, and as little as I know, I still would think with that open a field or open opportunities for that many people, you would be in a situation where you have more people that are chasing these points and races towards the end and would lead to a lower score winning because your top performers are just going to be battling one another and taking each other out. Yeah, I I foresee a situation where you've got five or six racers within 20 or 30 points at the top just without anybody putting up that score that's out of reach. So I agree. I think you're going to come into likely – Vegas and Pomona with a handful of people with a shot. And I, obviously, Kennard's going to be one of those. Right? Outside of the superclasses, Big Jed, and outside of Aaron Kennard, we talked last week about how a lot would be our picture of the national points chases would be a lot clearer after the weekend between Bowling Green and the two races going on in Utah. I'm not sure that that's the case. Um, I think, <laughs> if, if anything, it's just a little bit more muddled because for the most part, the racers that we kind of pinpointed as saying these guys are, are at the top and have a chance to really pull away, with little exception, those racers didn't have great weekends. And yet the racers that coming into the weekend were kind of in that second tier, a lot of them had pretty good weekends and just put themselves in position as well. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So if anything, it's just uh, a probably more muddled, I guess would be the best term. But a couple more things that stood out from, again, that I guess will be the certainly the final division race. It seems like there's one more bracket race, big bracket race on the schedule at, at Rocky Mountain Raceway. So I don't think it's the complete shutdown of the facility yet, but it's the last time the NHRA Tour will make a stop there. And it jumped out for me, Justin Lamb. We said he needed to make up division races. He's made three division races now in the last two weeks between Seattle and the double at Utah. He had a rough couple weeks in Superstock. In those three outings, failed to advance to round three of competition, three second round exits. So maybe, Big Jed, maybe, (laughs) maybe I spoke a little too soon. Maybe it's not quite over. (laughs) Um, Maybe. I didn't see that coming. He is, he's still, he's taken the national points lead, but it's interesting. He's like a round and a half ahead of Anthony Bertozzi in Superstock. They both have three divisionals remaining where Justin seemed to have a leg up on Anthony was Anthony out of national event claims and was locked into claiming a second round loss on his ledger. Can't get it off. Well, now Justin with these divisional events, he's now locked into a second round loss as well. That's going to count for him at the end of the year. Again, they both have three races claiming, both have three races remaining to try to improve their score. Justin has a little bit lower races to improve on. I think he's improving a couple of second round losses, whereas Anthony's improving a couple of third round losses. Not a huge difference there. And again, Justin is in the lead by a round and a half. So I still think Justin's the favorite. If I had to place a bet on it right now i would say justin lamb's still going to be your superstock world champion but 
no one envisioned him having the run that he's had over the last nine days. And it's gotten much, much more interesting. And 17 World Championships can't be wrong. Like, if there's going to be someone breathing down your neck, I think you rest <laughs> particularly easily if it's Antoine. Yeah, no, that's definitely uh, making it a little more exciting. I'm sure a little more than Justin had planned. But for a guy that uh, is not chasing a world championship, he's sitting in, still sitting in a really good position. So yeah. well, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. While Justin didn't have a memorable uh, nine-day stretch behind the wheel of his Superstock Cobalt, he made up for it in stock. Semifinal at Seattle, semifinal in race one at Salt Lake City, win in race two in Salt Lake City, all in stock eliminator. Now, much like Aaron Kennard, I'm sure Justin would gladly trade two or three of those finishes for one win in Superstock. They kind of put that out of reach. But here we are again. He's thrown his hat into the ring in stock eliminator. He is, which means that Justin Lamb is gunning and he very much in contention to go back to back double world championships. Now, the problem with Stock Eliminator this year, Jed, is every year when you look at the Sportsman Points landscape, there tend to be anywhere from half a dozen to 10, 11 racers across the country over the, the gamut of the NHRA Sportsman classes tend to be, again, six to maybe 12 racers that, that at this point in the year, as we coming into Labor Day, have put up a score worthy of a national championship right still a couple of months left to the season but usually you can pinpoint a handful of racers and say these guys deserve to win one okay this year's really no different but with a handful of exceptions let's say that there's 10 of those racers like seven of them are in stock eliminator and you've got the super classes that nobody's running away with. You got Paul Nero in top drag street. Looks like J.R. Loebner in top sportsman. Again, I'll say either Lamb or Bertozzi in Superstock. And then you like seven guys that can win the stock eliminator. Justin is now part of that group. Jeff Taylor improved this weekend. He is the points leader and just narrowly improved. I think he improved a first round loss with a second round loss at Bowling Green. Brian McClanahan, it's Team Luke. Team Luke. Bertozzi also Team Luke. Like this was a good weekend for Team Luke. I still don't yeah. think, still don't think I'm going to get there, but giving me a glimmer of hope. Brian McClanahan lost in the semifinals in both race one and race two at Utah in Stock Eliminator. That moved him into second place in the national points chase, 625 points. We just talked about how 600 will probably win Super Gas. 625 right now puts Brian McClanahan in second about a half a round behind Jeff Taylor, and McClanahan still has four or five races yet to improve and move that score up. Same deal, you could re-handicap this every week, and I tend to do that. McClanahan (laughs) trails, JT, but right now, like, he's in the driver's seat. And Stockman, like, this year, you just hate to put a number on it, but I have this feeling that it's going to take 700 points to win stock this year, whether it's JT, whether it's McClanahan, whether it's Justin Lamb, Jeff Strickland, Jeff Lopez, Slate Cummings, Thomas Fletcher. Like I say, there's so many deserving candidates all jumbled into one class, and it's going to get crazy. Like I would say more than one of those competitors are going to get hot. I think it takes 700 to win stock this year, which is insane. Luke, I have no idea. I would never have figured all that out on my own, but I feel smarter just having sit and listen to you break that down. That was uh, excellent, excellent work breaking down those categories and what could and and might happen. So very well done. 
Are you just being nice? Because I feel like it's I'm it wasn't wasn't the the breakdown from like the school assembly in Billy Madison, where the principal says, "Billy, no one has any idea what you're ta- talking about, and we're all that much dumber for having listened to it." That's <laughs> just the opposite. Okay, great. I Fantastic. have no idea what you're talking about, but I do feel like I really know what's going on now. So very well done. Uh, there were some big weekends for some guys, and some serious points implications. All kidding aside, uh, and and that was great breakdown of it. But Craig Maddox also had a big weekend. Yes, uh, he did. Got the win in race one in Super Gas, and in race two, he was the stock runner-up and semied in Super Gas. So Craig showed out big there, and uh, he was not the only hot performer. Uh, Larry Moda swept the motorcycle class. He's division leader out there, and the uh, guy won both races. And I believe it's a pretty stout motorcycle field, and so Larry Moda should uh, get some recognition for that awesome Awesome accomplishment for him, sweeping the class for the weekend. And I apologize to my good friend, Mike Eames. I, I did say that uh, Aaron Kennard closed out racing. I, I should have said NHRA racing. I know they've got the summer send-off, which is their big, big deal out there on the bracket side, and they're going to send that place off in style. So uh, that was the last divisional at Rocky Mountain, but uh, was not the last race. And as you mentioned, I think the summer send-off is their, their big show to end it all. Yeah, it looked like kind of an emotional close there, too. I know that uh, Mike Rice and the folks at Division 7 presented Mr. Eames with his own uh, Wally. I think they did all the Wallies yeah, for the race in, uh, in some type of silver finish to commemorate the last race at RMR. So pretty cool all the way around. And again, as someone that can speak a little bit to the place and the hospitality that uh, Mr. Eames, Mr. Kelly, that staff there provided uh, when I made the trip out there last year, it is a really cool place to race. And Division 7 is expansive and Salt Lake City is not close to much of anything. So like your guys from... Um, LA and Vegas and Phoenix and basically anywhere, Northern California, anywhere else in Division 7, it's a long tow for just about everybody to get to Salt Lake. And almost to a man, when I was out there, everybody was jacked up to be there because it is a pool place and they always took such good care of everyone. So that will definitely be missed on the Division 7 schedule. I can say I'm I'm glad that I got the opportunity to go there one time, but uh, it looked like there was a lot of that kind of emotion floating around the race and guys uh, saying how how much they were going to miss making that trip up there each year. Yeah, I could see that playing out through social media. Look like uh, it's it's just really special to a lot of people. So Luke, uh, expansive is that like something that costs a lot or no? That's expensive. Expansive. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Expansive is just big. <laughs> big. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. That was not the only racing of the weekend, Luke. There was some big bracket racing that was held as well, and we talked about it on last week on What's on Tap, but the Carolina Power Fest put on by my man Tony Saracini there at Rockingham Dragway in Rockingham, North Carolina. Uh, those guys had a really good event, but did you see the uh, – I know you did. I know you see what I'm seeing, the show notes about the blue light up there, and it's I saw it on social media. light special. Yeah, this this thing's like just put right up there at the bottom of the tree, if I remember right what I saw in the picture. Uh, just uh, right there where you're staging and everything. was Is that what I saw? Did I see that right, or did you see it? Uh, it says here it was situated just ahead of the burnout box, so maybe it wouldn't have been distracting okay. for the tree. But nonetheless, really cool idea. I, I'll, I'll let you go. Yeah, so obviously um, – like you said, is the blue light situated just ahead of the burnout box? How far it was in proximity to the tree? I don't know. But if it was on when you pulled up there, you you won a prize. 
Okay, so uh, I don't think it was lane to lane. I'm guessing both racers won a prize if it was on. But it was really cool just to let you know before you go to the starting line that, that you've won a prize. You've been drawn for a prize. And those prizes varied from wrench sets and folding chairs and other things. But it had up to a $590 tool set. So really, really cool. Both racers, Mark's put it in the notes there, both racers, when you had the blue light, was uh, going to receive prizes so awesome little idea there from tony mm-hmm. and uh let the racers i don't know maybe you pull up there you get a little more excited maybe you have to roll you five seven thou in the box if you know you just want a prize get all jacked up or whatever but that's a really cool idea i thought it was neat yeah no i love the idea of spreading the wealth around with these prizes that have become commonplace at a lot of the big dollar bracket races the whether it's best losing package or round prizes or door prizes or whatever and this is a unique spin on it like you say i just think it eases the pain a little bit you're never going to be happy when the other wind light comes on but as you're making that turn off you remember oh blue light was on at least i'm getting something right and i just think that that goes a long way into making people go home happy and when people go home happy they want to come back so kudos to tony a really cool idea and it'll be interesting to see how that is adapted and modified and and copied at other races across the country but cool stuff yeah, and I would expect to see some more of that. But uh, some racers that won their own prizes out on the racetrack uh, in the top category on Friday was Kevin Crawford getting a win over Eric Thomas. Footbreak was Chris Hot Rod Gibson getting a win over Steve Alford. And junior dragster was Cam Wisnett over Michaela Stevens. Saturday's top winner was Michael Spencer, defeated EJ Womack. Footbreak Steve Alford went to another final, got the win this time over... The legend, Jim Woods, and Hayden Dial got the win over Michaela Stevens. Michaela getting a couple of runner-ups there in the junior dragster category. Sunday, Timothy Thomas got the win over Chad Duke. A couple of heavy hitters there from the Carolinas. Foot break was Ricky Bullock uh, getting the win over Jason McCandless. And junior dragster Michaela Stevens got the win this time. All three finals. How about Michaela? She's a she's hot little driver there. Getting the win over Connor Calder. So that wrapped up Carolina Power Fest there at Rockingham. It looked like a, a great event. Yeah, Michaela Stevens with multiple finals. Slick Rick, Steve. No, that's that, that's Rick Alford. Steve Alford. With, yeah. I was trying to tie in a Chris Hot Rod Gibson versus, but I don't know that Steve Alford has a nickname. So I regret. Um, sorry. I wasted everyone's time. No nickname, but he does drive a Pinto. Hey. He's a year early. We've already established 2019 is the year of the Pinto. There is, well, I mean, Steve Alford would have to win like every race for the rest of the year for this not to be the year of the Chevette slash T-1000. <laughs> Sportsman Spectacular, uh, our friends at the IHRA with this growing series now. Sportsman Spectacular came to MIR, Maryland International Raceway in Bud's Creek. Saturday's highlighted day was the $10,000 to win main event. And... If it's not, Big Jed, the year of the Chevette slash T-1000, mm. it is definitely the year of the no-box racer. Yeah, it is. Another no-box racer uh, taking advantage of a format that allows them to uh, win their own category and then move into the race with the Super Pro cars. And Corey Maloney takes his no-box car and gets the win over Lindy Herman, a $10,000 win for Corey. So a uh, nice big win for a bottom bulber there, especially getting it done in a top category. And the 5K 
That's Sorry, two IHRA Sportsman Spectaculars. That no, they they completed one up at uh, up at US one thirty one. But two out of three now. And really, I think the only two times that they actually got the race in that it paid ten grand, both went to bottom bulbers, right? Yeah, Nick Bauman, I guess, mm-hmm. and and now Corey Maloney. So um, just again, really really cool to see that format and allow the no box racers a fair opportunity to compete, and then they're taking advantage of it. It's good stuff. Uh, and the five k. The uh, second race, Leighton Sumter got the win over Mickey Nelson. So that was a uh, good Leighton, uh, a heavy hitter from that area. Turns on a lot of wind lights. In the junior category, Hunter Grote got the win over Tyler Sandy on Saturday. And Sunday, Brooke Keaton got the win over Zach Parlett. Mark says if Michigan hadn't been separated, it could have been all three going to no boxers. So he's saying the no boxers pretty much dominating things on the uh, IHRA Sportsman Spectacular events. Uh, Luke moved down into my neck of the woods, the uh, Make My Day Bracket Bash at Huntsville Dragway in Huntsville, Alabama, on the north end of the state. Really good crowd there. Had a great event. Uh, Angie and T.T. Smith do a great job there at Huntsville Dragway, home of the guaranteed purse. They guarantee it every time they open the gate, no matter what. And had a couple of 10Ks Saturday, Mike Buckwald, which is hot in his own right. He was a 5K runner up at Holiday Beach here in Alabama just a week or so ago. And got the win over Gene Fly Lynn. Oh, Fly. Oh, been Fly. I was watching Fly when I was a kid. And Fly still competing at a high level. Put down a one-pack somewhere along the race, too. That was a good to see Fly getting it done. And Mike Buckwald with a big win there. But the, the story of the day was the junior dragster uh, category where Madeline Taylor Got the win over Braden Taylor, that's sister over brother, and that's Brandon Taylor's children went to the final round together, and Madeline got her first win in the juniors and beating her brother, so that was really special. Brandon was out a little bit early, so it kind of worked out where he uh, could enjoy that with them. It was a nice victory celebration there, and to keep things going for the, the folks in the Taylor family and Roanoke, Alabama in general, Sunday's 10K was won by Brandon Taylor and got the win over Mike Smith, which Mike is uh, just basically a neighbor right down there. So big deal for the Taylor family and the folks from the Roanoke Mafia and the junior dragster category was won by Shelby Thurman. And I do not know who Shelby beat in the final. My apologies there to whoever that was, but great job by Shelby. She's, uh, She's a tough junior dragster racer in her own right. All that money going back to Roanoke. Yeah, yeah, they took it all pretty much. Roanoke Mafia. All right, top bulb tens. Although it didn't really end up being the top bulb tens, <laughs> did it, Big Jed? He didn't have to hit the top to win it, apparently, as Thomas Fletcher hitting the bottom bulb. Now, I don't think this was a deal where they keep them separate. I think you just enter, and whatever bulb you're choosing to lose, uh, choosing to leave on, which Saturday for me at Huntsville Dragway was uh, non-existent. I left before the tree started. So some of these people actually wait till the tree comes on, and some of them actually wait till it gets to the bottom. That's what Thomas Fletcher was doing in the Chevelle wagon and got the win over the red hot himself, Carl Drake Jr. Saturday's 10K winner went to the bottom bulb. I mean, stop me if you've heard this before. Just a couple of results above. But Thomas, obviously, uh, blue blood from the Fletcher family and – wasn't scared, took his bottom bulb Chappelle wagon, got the win. The high roller was another hot racer. The winner was Wes Siegel. We talked about Wes quite a bit here lately. Got the win over Russ Adams. Russ come down out of Canada. 
to get the high roller runner up. And then Chris Wallen took over, Luke. Got the uh, low roller win and then the big win on Sunday. Yes, uh, low roller win over Mark Ernest and then captured the Sunday $10,000 main event. No split in the final. Again, apologies. We're not sure the name of the runner-up on Sunday up there at the top bulb tens at empire dragway <laughs> up in new york i don't know if you've heard anything quite like this jig jet i've got a hot take for 2018 i think i'm going to call this the year of the no box racer <laughs> that is hot that how is about hot thomas take. fletcher and and maybe the year of thomas fletcher in general like he is having we talked about him earlier as being a title contender in stock eliminator had a banner season and his stock wins we'd said on a previous episode come in a couple of different cars i know he's one in the copo he's one in the 69 now he's one in the chevelle wagon on a big stage in the bracket community ten thousand dollar Victory off the bottom, super impressive, and as you mentioned, continuing a hot streak for several racers. Carl Drake with the runner-up, Wes Siegel with high roller win, and now Chris Wallen, who made a case for this week's BTE, who's hot, just on the, the merits of what he did this weekend with back-to-back wins and that low roller shootout, and then the 10 grander up at Empire. Yeah, been a pretty good month for Chris uh, outside of what he did this weekend. So, um, yeah, like you said, a lot of hot racers, and uh, they had a great event there in New York. Luke, we talked about Bowling Green, Division Three Lucas Oil event, uh, the one before Indy, which I think they had over 600 cars, and we talked about the crazy fast top dragster field. But there was some more uh, interesting things that happened and uh, some – some points implication, I guess, or, or for our deal, for our NHRA competition that, that happened there. Yeah, I mean, we went through points pretty well earlier. The Mosier Shootout came to Bowling Green, the Division Three version of the 2018 Mosier Shootout. And I, I, a little birdie told me, Big Jed, this is nothing that is public consumption just yet, but possibly some changes in the works, some exciting changes in the works for the Mosier shootouts going forward. Not sure exactly what they've got planned, but uh, definitely something to keep an eye on, sports and racers everywhere. But this year's Division Three Mosier shootout, which is a really cool format. It's a 32-car field comprised of racers that have qualified in all of the NHRA sportsman classes. So you've got everything from top dragster competitors to stock eliminator, which is actually the way this shook down in the final. If Ed Dudley getting the win, dialed 420. The eighth mile bracket wow. race against over Chris Stevenson, who turned it red in his stock eliminator car dialed in the high sixes. And that's what that race is. You get a little bit of everything. Um, and then they put them on the short track, eighth mile, staggered tree, dial your own. Pretty cool format. And um, it's continuing our theme year of the no box. Those races, like, traditionally have seen stock or super stock racers do really well and typically even win this year chris stevenson uh very close to doing that getting the runner up in his stock eliminator car nothing of huge note from bowling green in terms of the points chase probably the bigger story was the racers that are in contention that didn't have good weekends more so than the racers who did as it applies to points but tyler bohannon Winner in Superstock. Tyler's not a championship contender, but most of us are familiar with uh, young Tyler's body of work. And I think it is notable. Uh, a year ago this weekend, Tyler held the Wally at Beach Bend in Super Comp. This time yeah. around, Super Stock, just showcasing the versatility of uh, what is Tyler, 20 years old? Probably uh, so. Very talented young man. Very talented young racer, no doubt. And 
I did get on the board a little bit, Big Jed. Team Luke, Lester Johnson didn't make the final, but he was still the coolest car on Top Sportsman and advanced to the semifinals. And what was also, we talked about Top Dragster, also a very fast Top Sportsman class. I know that the bump was in the sixes, 32-car bump. When you got to slam doors, that's getting after it pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is. I wonder if Lester was dialed six flat. He was not. I need to have a talk with Lester. <laughs> I, I mean, he was low qualifier. Don't get me wrong. Ain't nobody faster. I really like it when he just rolls out there with six flat painted on the window and especially like it when he can go like 590 something and just pumps it for like 400 feet to go 60 whatever. Like I don't I don't care what the race is. I don't care what his lights light is. Like when you just roll up there and don't give like the six flat, it looks like you remember back in the day, Big Jed, when the dragsters wrote their dial in on the rear slick. And oh, you'd, yeah. look, you'd look over there and get the dial in and you'd think, you know, like, I don't think they can wipe that off. Like, that might have been on there for a couple of years. I ain't real sure that that's the dial-in. <laughs> that's what I want Lester Atkins' window to look like in that shoebox. Like, six flat just ain't been wiped off. Like, it's just molded <laughs> into the glass. That's what I'm looking for, Lester. If you're listening, I, I don't – I have no idea. I, I doubt that it's easy to go from 620s to 60s. You make it look very easy. That's what I want to see. That, that's why we're on Team Luke. Notable from Bowling Green Big Jet. I, I think it's of note, and this is not a paid advertisement. Most of you know that I uh, endorse a competing chassis builder, but I do think it's notable and definitely deserves recognition. McIlvain race cars kind of swept the show at Bowling Green Big Jet. Yeah, I see that. That's a quality car, but obviously you said competing chassis, but McIlvain race cars making a name for themselves on, on all of them, the big ones and the little ones. Those guys build beautiful stuff. And, uh, Michael Shelton got to win over Joey Fusting in Super Comp and uh, Jeremy Mason in Super Gas. Uh, watched that Chevy Twice build happen on social media. That's a really, really neat piece. Very well car. done. And obviously Jeremy drives it very well. And then uh, what about Rob Cropfeld, Luke? Did you see the pictures of that new Camaro? I did. Uh, Rob didn't win Supergas at Bowling Green. He wasn't in the final. But I feel like his Camaro Roadster was the talk of the event, as well it should be. I've only seen it in pictures. I assume I'll see it in person at Indy this weekend. Holy smokes, that is a pretty car. The latest thing to come out of the McIlvain race cars stable. I don't know, like, I, I hate to be presump- presumptive, presumptuous. I, think, I, hate yeah. to be, I hate to be either of those things. Me too. Uh, right. But uh, because there is a lot of beautiful cars that will be on display this weekend at the U.S. Nationals and probably a handful of new cars that are there just to win best appearing or best engineered. So I'm not going to say that Rob Cropfield is going to win either of those. But he's got to be on the short list. Like, that car is going to be there. We've talked about Joe Fisher's new Corvette Roadster, the new body style, and how awesome that is. That car will be there. One of, if not both of those, have to go home with some hardware. Those are incredible, incredible pieces. Yeah, very nice stuff, and obviously they compete well. So uh, those their racers held up well for the McIlvain guys. So, Luke, let's pay a few bills, and then we'll come back and talk some more racing topics. Sounds good. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And you can do that on 
Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. September the 7th through the 9th, the team of Galen Rollison and Britt Cummings will bring the 10th annual Moser Great American Bracket Race back to Memphis International Raceway. Now, the crowning race will be the $50,000 main event. But along with the great main event payouts, the All-State Challenge will return for the second time. Does your state have the best racers in the country? This year's All-State teams are shaping up great but the only way you'll find out how you stack up is to get a team together and go find out yourself. Now, the out-the-gate race is back once again. Yes, it's just like that. It's not out of the gate. It's the out-the-gate race. They're taking 16 entrants for a $250 entry, $2,000 to win race. You only get reaction time and 60 foot. That's the out-the-gate race, and they're only taking 16 spots for that. Follow the Great American Bracket Races on Facebook or get a hold of Galen or Britt for more information. Big Jed, I'm just waiting for you, like, in the middle of that read. Does your state have the best racers in the country? Why, yes. Yes, we do. Alabama (laughs) proved that last year. Like, I know that that's on the tip of your tongue, and it's killing you. So do you just – do you want to let that out one time? No, because we won't back it up. I don't think Alabama is going to be represented, so it's a shame. I'm just going to let it go. There is the confidence. Okay. (laughs) In addition, today's podcast is also presented by BTE. Jed and I are proud to partner. Proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises, that's BTE, here on the podcast. Neither of us are strangers, Big Jed, to BTE products, services, or customer services. Uh, Mm. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point They build products that I can depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or top sportsman, power glide transmission, a torque converter built for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at bteracing.com. You want to make it in a song to do the Justin Lamb. Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam. You do the Kevin Brandon, light a smack across the land. Then you do the L-Ride and you come out like the world champ. Labor Day weekend, Big Jed. Big, big weekend traditionally on the racing calendar. Um, we've obviously, we're a week and a half removed from the second annual All-State race. And in as part of what is the 10th annual, I believe, uh, yeah. Great American Bracket Race at Memphis. So I know, I'm getting geared up for that. I'm actually, I'm, I'm super stoked, Big Jed. I haven't, uh, I got to race last weekend. I uh, hopped in a, a car that I've been putting together for some friends of mine and made the maiden voyage in it, tested a little bit. But be- beyond that, I hadn't been on the track since early July. And, and here wow. I'm going to spend um, like 10 or 11 days out of the next two weeks at a racetrack. So I'm excited. I'm going to the big go, going to Indy, and then uh, come home, hopefully, 
hopefully I'm in Indy on Monday, right? Um, So if that's the case, I'll be home for maybe 48 hours before we light out for Memphis and the Allstate race. So uh, I'm excited about that and got to do that in a while. I think I got everything ready. So that's going to be fun. Um, Big go this weekend at Indy. I know... um, I don't know of our listener base. I don't know. It's probably half or so that follows that or, or, you know, a lot of you will be there. Uh, Shout out if you are listening to the podcast on your way or sitting in line to get parked at the big go at Indy. Uh, I'll be headed that way shortly. Uh, Super excited about it. I don't want to wax poetic too long on the U.S. Nationals. Most of you know my feelings on it. Um, Like many of you, I would assume uh, up until, shoot, six, seven years ago. I always looked at that as a marathon drug out, and it is all of that. Um, but I thought, why would you ever go to that? You know, like I, I looked at myself as a racer that raced for a living. There's plenty of bracket races on Labor Day weekend where I can go race for multiple days on multiple purses. Why would I spend six days of my life at one event? Uh, and then it was 2012, I believe, was the first time that I voyaged to India. It was actually a requirement for my K&N Filters sponsorship. And um, I didn't do any good at all. I, w- I was parked in somebody's backyard, for one thing, which is can happen at Indy. <laughs> um, it rained a lot, and I, was, I had a head off my dragster. It was a miserable experience, and I lost second round in both cars. And I left thinking I would never miss another one as long as I could uh make it to indy like it's just i know that's so difficult to comprehend if you've never been there but the atmosphere at that event from day one much less if you are fortunate enough to get into sunday or especially monday um the atmosphere is so electric and so cool and it's it's impossible to describe but it is a neat neat place and there's just feel all of the history and all of the grandiose uh, of that event uh, surrounds you and overwhelms you from the second that you pull in the gate. And I love it. Um, I can't wait to get there. So as, as much as I would have rolled my eyes at that um, eight years ago, uh, it is. It's cool. I'm really looking forward to Indy. Yeah, I think it's obvious how big it looms on the Sportsman Drag Racers schedule, Luke, when you see uh, guys like you and, and the top names in our sport get excited for what you know would typically be a miserable experience, uh, but <laughs> something about the U.S. Nationals just makes it not that, so it makes it a little more cool. It's obvious that it, it means a lot to the sportsman drag racer, and I'm sure that uh, a lot of people are super excited right now as things are starting to to take place there but uh there's other racing on the schedule by the way that that head that you pulled off when you were at the u.s nationals did you clean that up in a bathtub or no i did not that was some of my dad's stories i actually just thought i actually did that two years in a row like one year i came to indy with a head off um of a super comp car i just was under the impression (laughs) that you know you go to indy you got to go through teardown so i just wanted to be part of it (laughs) even though i've always run super comp and super gas and i guess now i've learned that that's not a necessity to run those classes that's more of a stock super stock thing yeah go with it ready to race you'll you'll do a lot better uh, but Luke, there's uh, the Labor Day No Box Classic at Kill Care from our great friends at Loose Rocker Promotions. That's going to happen this weekend. The 10 Grand Nationals at uh, Norwalk Summit Motorsports Park will happen. They might uh, have a car or two at that one. That will be ridiculous. That will, <laughs> that will match what's going on at Indy and then some probably. The uh, Money Tree Triple Twenties at Farmington Dragway in Farmington, New York is Kevin Pollard's race. Really good race at a great entry fee. 
Uh, it's a racer's dream, really, for what you're racing for. So if you're out there on the East Coast, make sure you get over to Farmington. Of course, you mentioned the U.S. Nationals, uh, Division Six Summit AT Finals already kicking off. We're getting wow. some bracket finals. It's that time of year, I guess. Wow, that's an early bracket finals, but uh, look forward to covering that next year. The ET finals is always a special race. As somebody that grew up um, where I grew up racing at, at Texas Raceway in Kennedale at the time, it was such an honor just to make the team and go represent uh, Texas Raceway at the bracket finals. I know that there's still a lot of that in pockets of the country. Bracket yeah. finals are a big deal. Um, so look forward to covering that next week. Yeah as i will and that's at firebird raceway legendary firebird raceway in boise idaho it's not boise if you know the locals out there it's boise and uh this uh weekend also is the top et race at capital raceway in crofton maryland that's a 10k and a 5k uh, another great race there at capital for the folks in that area so lots of good racing out there for you no matter what you like to do hopefully everybody gets out and enjoys it all right jed we're gonna close this up we teased it a little bit earlier a couple of our racer confidential stories and this week we've got a couple of tales woven by listeners of the podcast that submitted them if you're new to this uh we've done this what the last two episodes now racer confidential is your opportunity to share a completely anonymous story about yourself or about one of your racing buddies that maybe um wouldn't be particularly proud of uh being involved in in this or or certainly wouldn't want it um broadcast nationwide worldwide we are the worldwide sportsman drag racing podcast yes um so what we do is we remove names to protect the <clears throat> innocent um, in these stories. And it, with that in mind, we're, we won't even share uh, the, the listeners that submitted these stories because we don't want anybody to put things together by association. So um, this first story, I'll take the first one, Big J. We've got two for you. Um, this one submitted by Racer X. And uh, I'm just going to read off the email here. All right, Racer Confidential. This racer has now passed away, unfortunately, about four years ago, but he was always a joy to be around at the track. His stories might be a little far-fetched, to say the least, um, as for instance, he was the guy that shredded the wheel studs on a dragster at the launch, but his wheels and tires still had the momentum to carry him down the track and win the round. Ah, uh, yeah, that one might be a little far-fetched, okay. at any rate. Or, on his way home, he blew the motor in his tow rig, so he stopped on the side of the road and swapped out his blower motor from the race car to get back home. <laughs> That's impressive, right? I mean, I, I, I mean my, one of my trailers did have an engine changer. I guess that's possible. I don't have the ambition to be the engine changer. <laughs> but it, I could see it happening. Okay, okay, we'll, we'll roll with this. Um, but one thing was he always went fast on the racetrack. He was a chassis builder back in the day. He never painted his car. Uh, or if he did, it got the Krylon paint special. Um, and this, I'm again, just reading off the email here. I actually witnessed at <clears throat> X Raceway back in the... <clears throat> He went down uh, to a bracket race and said that he was going to set the track record. At the time, he had a blown small block Chevrolet and a 215-inch hardtail dragster. When he went through the... And in this, keep in mind, this is... I guess I can use the time frame, right? This is in the 90s. So a 215-inch yeah. hard, hardtail dragster was not quite as out of place as it 
would be today, but still probably a little bit behind the times, right? So when he went through the gate, the owner of the track told him that the track record at that time was 459. And this racer, always smiling, said, okay, thanks. His first pass in the burnout, it shook so bad that he cracked the fuel cell. But that wasn't a big deal because it was at the top of the cell. And it was nothing but a ratchet strap and a whole bunch of silicone wouldn't fix. So he goes up for the second pass and rattles off a 452. Again, this is in early 90s. Track owner, not believing this just happened, um, with this driver in this car, taking a record away from the local hero, comes down to Racer X and says, uh, I'm sorry, sir, but I actually read that wrong. The record is actually a 445. So the record has now changed, right? Racer X chuckles, <laughs> smiles, says, okay, I was only about half throttle on that pass. He takes the panels off the car and uh, shows him the, uh, the bolt that's in behind the gas pedal that is impeding its progress to wide open throttle. The sender of this email says, I was 13 at the time, and I was the guy that got to sit in the seat to check wide open throttle. Okay, so this is firsthand, right? Racer X comes back around for second lap and goes 441. <laughs> Pulls in and asks the track owner, was that one okay? Owner agreed, said racer, said good. Loaded up and drove back home. Never would have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. The stories that this guy had were literally unbelievable, but he was well-known all over for all that he did do. And again, uh, as the reader of the email, I am familiar with Racer X. He is a legend. Uh, unfortunately, as the uh, as the emailer had said, we we lost this racer a few years back. Um, but this guy was a a joy to be around. Is a, is a good way to put it. And always, I don't know that I necessarily heard Racer X Big Jed tell a lot of stories personally, but I have heard a lot of stories about Racer X, and this one doesn't shock me at all. Sounds like a very interesting guy, to say the least. So we definitely appreciate that submission. And those are the kind of stories that we were looking for for this. So keep those coming, guys. But have one here as well that I will tell. Uh, Racer Confidential Story submitted by Racer X this time. And uh, it reads, there was a time when Super Pro was 7 flat to 1299 our local track, I'm assuming this was quarter mile based on uh, who submitted it. Our local track allowed an alternate driver to contribute to the primary driver's points on weeks where primary driver was unavailable. That's interesting. Two racers took advantage of this racing on alternate weeks in a car lovingly referred to as the butt ugly Malibu. Any was- story that includes <laughs> quote unquote butt ugly. <laughs> This is a good I, confidential. I agree. You're going to get it read. So, but ugly uh, Malibu ran 1290s. So it was right there on the break. Of course, they were kicking everyone's arses, as this says. Thank you for that. And I believe this was before crosstalk. So, given uh, tough splits, helped that as well. So, a group of Super Pro racers started complaining about it, saying that the but ugly wasn't a real race car that it wasn't safe to run against a car that slow because it didn't have a roll bar, etc. In reality, they were just miffed they were losing to them. So now I, I put that word in myself. That's not exactly what it says. Now, there happened to be a father-son team 
that uh, seem to be the squeakiest wheel here. And uh, the but ugly drivers combo there learned about this and devised a plan. The next week, they bought a baby's pacifier and left it on the son's seat before first round. Now, this is the father-son combo that complained about Bud Ugly. Uh, Bud Ugly drivers left the pacifier on the seat before round number one. They never heard another complaint from the father-son team again. So, uh, Racer Confidential, the Bud Ugly drivers, the team drivers, which I think I probably you got to be really careful with that connotation, Big Jed. The Bud Ugly drivers is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably said that wrong. The, the team drivers there uh, left the pacifier on the, the seat, and the father-son got the message and went away quietly, I guess. So, <laughs> the name of that car, for those of you in the area, are probably going to – that's going to give it away. But a uh, really good story there from, uh, from a dude that I like a lot. So we appreciate that, my man. So that wraps us up. That's uh, – been a good show Luke. i've really had a blast here a lot of good stuff a lot of good racing talk and i uh, enjoyed it a lot great to have uh, our man chance on from bte we appreciate him joining us and uh, this episode of the sportsman drag racing podcast is coming to a close but not before we thank our great sponsors the great american bracket race and all state challenge and, of course, the fine folks at BTE and our man PJ North. Um, you know, we're getting some really cool drops uh, over and over and over. This guy just delivers when we call on him and ask him for help. So we appreciate PJ, and he's a guy that's got a lot of music out there. want to make sure that everybody gets out there and finds what PJ's doing um, music-wise, some about our sport and some just general music. So check out PJ, and you can find all his music on the normal outlets, we appreciate him. It's as well. JJ's <laughs> top ten. That is, uh, that's my favorite, of course. Of course. So, speaking of that, we're we gonna have JJ on next week. Is it? Is it time to wrap up August? You know, I think it I is. I think it is. I think it is. What about? Do you happen to have any shout-outs this week? You know, I got shout-outs. I got shout-outs <laughs> for days. <laughs> Let's hear some. Shout out to our boy Chance. Uh, shout out to Chance being as quote unquote ground level. Huh? In the big city this weekend. Shout out to Motorhome Roofs, which we did not have to use for uh, in the making of this week's episode. No Motorhomes Roofs or Chances were harmed in the making of this week's episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Shout out to Steve Alford and his lack of a nickname. Shout out to the Pinto and Pintos everywhere. If you have a Pinto, start dusting it off, start running the valves, get that thing ready for 2019. It's coming. Shout out to Fly Lynn, who may be the only guy that smiles more than Bobby Stevens. Shout out to Bobby Stevens. Shout out to Roanoke, Alabama. Mike, Timmy, Brandon, the kids, everybody. Shout out Roanoke. Shout out to the Bud Ugly. Shout out to the drivers of the but ugly not necessarily the but ugly drivers shout out to arses everywhere <laughs> shout out to the flipping flash the fremont flash and everyone who submitted stories for racer confidential we appreciate it keep it coming shout out to lester atkins shout out to lester johnson i don't even know if i said it but i bet i called lester johnson and lester atkins at some point and i know you did that i didn't i got lester johnson all the way you through it. nice <laughs> shout out lester you don't really have to go six flat but i would like it if you did <laughs> well well done very well done sir guys be sure to tell us what you think 
send us a message right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. And again, keep those racer confidential stories coming. Send us the messages. Mark uh, receives those. He'll uh, he'll make sure that we get them and we get as many on the show as we possibly can. So keep those racer confidential stories coming and um, we'll read it just like you say it for the most part. So uh, keep it clean. And um, you can definitely at either Luke or myself on Twitter if you want to contact us there. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. I have a doubleheader kickball game that I am uh, about to take off and go make. And Luke is uh, really getting ready to make his trip to Andy. So, Luke, good luck to you, my friend. Hope it goes extremely well. Thank you. It will be fun. All right, guys, thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure, and we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning it. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching me like Jerry Pennington. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, this is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect. Led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers. That's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.